0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning. Happy Friday. Coronavirus fears continue to impact global markets as Wall Street closes in the red. But Chinese shares are higher As Beijing says, key manufacturing provinces are quickly getting back to work. The Fed vice chair, Richard Clarida, tells CNBC the U.S. economy is in good shape but says it's too early to judge the impact of
1: coronavirus. What we would be looking for is some body of evidence that suggests that we need to make a material reassessment of our outlook. And and certainly we have not done that. Yeah, but we are monitoring it.
2: EU leaders pull an all-nighter, but make slow progress, maybe even no progress. But slow progress, says here, in talks to hash out the details of the bloc's next budget. The Commission President Ursula von der Leyen tells CNBC it's important to fund modern climate and digital policies.
3: This is uh, the reason why we're negotiating. There are many different interests that have to be convened uh, with this budget. But good is that, as I said, it puts emphasis on the modern policies.
2: Uh, Unicredit boss Jean-Pierre Moustier uh, reportedly emerges as a top contender to take the helm at HSBC as Europe's largest bank searches for CEO amid a massive restructuring.
3: Results from Allianz just breaking as the German insurance giant looks to navigate the low-rate environment. We'll be speaking to the CFO of first on CNBC.
0: Uh, Let's update you on the coronavirus story. The National Health Commission in China has confirmed nearly 900 new cases of virus infection on Thursday. That's a sharp increase from the day before. The figures include more than 200 people testing positive in two prisons in Hubei, the outbreak's epicenter. South Korea today has designated two major cities as special care zones after confirming 52 new cases. The country's national tally tops 150, most in the fourth largest city, Daegu. China's Commerce Ministry expects a sharp fall in exports in January and February. The ministry said the epidemic has already severely disrupted the country's growth, and international trade development, but expects foreign companies to resume production in most places by the end of this month. An official warned that uh, impacts on foreign direct investment in the world's second largest economy are likely to persist through March. Steve.
2: I'm going to prelude you teeing off in a moment talking about Mr Clarida, because I know what your link-in says as well. But I'm going to preface it with this. Okay, look, the market's a tad off, but they're still within a percent or so of record highs. Okay, we saw seven out of 11 sectors in negative territory. Tech was down 1%, Goldman Sachs was 31 points off the Dow yesterday. But I want to draw your attention to one single thing at this war. If I get one thing into your head, It's the fact that the US economy is at least ambiguous, is possibly doing rather well at the moment. And we'll come to what Jeff's going to read on Clarida in a few seconds time because he's having to pour cold water, as Jeff's read is about to say, on everybody thinking about rate cuts. Why is he doing that? Well, look, just one piece of evidence, one thing. Let's have a look at dollar crosses while I'm doing this as well. The headline activity on the Philly Fed, did you look at it yesterday yesterday? Uh, yeah, a look. No, you didn't look at it properly, did you? Have a look at it properly because we've seen the highest levels of activity on the Philly Fed, which is a key forward looking survey or current looking survey as well. Key survey. Yeah. The highest levels of activity since February. Well, hang on a second. We're only in February. You're saying? No, no, no. You've misunderstood me. February 2017. Weren't we hiking rates? at some stage during that point as well. February, 2017, the highest level of activity, backing up the very strong empire state data we saw uh, earlier. And let me just just tell you the kind of numbers we saw, 26.7 in February, 20, uh, we saw only February 17, uh, much higher levels, but 17 was the level in January. So much higher there, higher on all the individual components as well. New orders to the highest level since May, 2018. And yet you, Mr. and Mrs. Market are still looking looking for a rate cut. Tell me it's not ambiguous at least. This is where the dollar crosses are. Let's have a look at the individual products as well. Under pressure, crude, really struggling to get much of a rally going. Did have a rally yesterday, down 0.81% here. Gold, and this is extraordinary, look at this. Oh yeah, you're all worried. That's why you're buying gold. Absolute Cods wallet. You're buying gold because it's going up, admit it. It's a momentum trade, no? Why are you buying gold? Why are you buying gold? 16.28, 16.28, these are the highest levels we've seen since what, 2013? Huge levels. Asian markets, let's have a look at some of these as well. Nikkei down 0.4 of 1%. Hang Seng down 0.9 of 1%. So like, I'm gonna move on, and, uh, opening calls, let's do it quickly. There we go, down 15 points, FTSE, Cetra team 41. But your read says Richard Clarida is gonna have to pour cold water on those looking for A rate cut. Who
0: are you arguing with? It's like you're arguing with someone at the war. No, it's
2: called dynamic interpretation of boring data and trying to extrapolate it and actually get people involved. It's called television. You might want to try it sometime.
0: Uh, Federal Reserve Vice Chairman Richard Clarida has poured cold water on talk of a rate cut. He told CNBC exclusively he doesn't believe most market participants... Uh, expect one. It comes after Fed officials voted to hold the line on the central bank's benchmark rate at their past two meetings. Uh, Clarida repeated the U.S. economy is still strong, although the Fed is monitoring the impact of coronavirus.
1: There is exports to China and obviously part of the commitments in the phase one deal was for U.S. exports to China to ramp up. So obviously we'll be looking at that. Supply chains are very important. So to the extent that supply chains are disrupted by the coronavirus, that could show up in terms of inputs to the U.S. economy. Um, and obviously, you have the effect overall on global economic activity. So we're really looking at multiple uh, indicators right now. But I think the fair point is sitting here in February, it is too soon to tell. But market pricing on, on rate cuts is a little tricky because there's the market expectation for rates, there can also be term and liquidity premiums. So what I prefer to do is to also look at surveys that many folks do of market participants about what they think we're gonna do. There's obviously a probability of outcomes, but I don't think when you ask folks, they're, they're pricing in that rate cut now, even though market pricing might suggest that. Uh, Richard Clarida, well, if you
0: can't get enough of the Fed later today, our US colleagues will speak exclusively to St. Louis Federal Reserve President James Bullard. That's 1300 CET and then at 1430 CET to Atlanta Federal Reserve President Raphael Bostic.
3: European leaders remain at an impasse over the bloc's budget proposals for the next seven years, with overnight talks only concluding in the last hour. Let's get out to Sylvia for more from Brussels. Sylvia, there's a 75 billion euro hole left from Britain's departure. I'm just curious to hear Emmanuel Macron's comments, the French president effectively talking about the fact that it would be unacceptable to have a Europe that compensates for the departure of Britain by reducing its own means. So almost this show that Europe still packs a punch without Britain. You can see the motivation.
4: Well, essentially, Macron's argument, and this is the argument of other at least 15 European countries, is that despite the UK's departure from the EU and leaving a financial gap of about 60 billion euros, that does not mean that the EU needs to have a smaller budget. In fact, the argument from France and other European countries is to have a bigger budget so they can, uh, they can fund policies such as climate change, change such as uh, digital change. And so in that context, some countries are pushing for higher spending. But on the other side of the argument, Karen, you have countries that say they already spend too much money when it comes to, EU, when it comes to the EU, and they want to see that, uh, that not happening once again when we talk about the next seven years of EU spending. And so in this context, yesterday, when the leaders were arriving here in Brussels, the president of the European Council, Charles Michel, who chairs these meetings, told me that despite the impasse that we're seeing he is still hopeful that he will manage to get a breakthrough in the coming hours.
5: We know that uh, everything is uh, on the table in order to decide. I think that it is important to uh, give more clarity and I hope it is possible in the next uh, hours or the next days to make progress.
6: This
3: is uh, the reason why we are negotiating. There are many different interests that have to be convened uh, with this budget. But good is that, as I said, it puts emphasis on the modern policies.
4: So you also heard in that clip from Ursula von der Leyen, she is the head of the European Commission, the executive arm of the EU, saying that the reason why these discussions are so difficult is because the different European countries have obviously different interests. So let's see if they will manage to reach a breakthrough when they gather again here this morning. The leaders are meant to reconvene at around 11 a.m. Brussels time. And I have to say, though, that the president, Charles Michel, has just finished his bilaterals. And so let's see if he will have enough energy when they reconvene here in a few hours hours time.
0: Uh, Terrific, thanks very much, Sylvia. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. When we come back, we're going to talk to Allianz's CFO, Giulio Terzeril, on those first full year results. Uh, We're going to catch up with him on CNBC in just a few minutes.
2: Plants Valeo says it's resuming production in most of its Chinese plants. The CEO, Jacques Ashenbois, will join us after the break. He's also first on CNBC.
3: And just a reminder, if you can't get enough of the Squawk Box, be sure to tune in for our very own podcast. Head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to have a listen and download today's episode.
0: Uh, Welcome back, everybody. Let's kick off uh, this uh, segment of the programme looking at uh, Allianz numbers. The company has delivered uh, €11.9 billion operating profit for 2019. The net income attributable to shareholders for 2019 up 6.1%. To 7.9 billion euros, which is in line or slightly ahead of the expectations. Uh, let's bring in the CFO of the business, uh, Giulio Terzariol. Uh, he joins us from Allianz this morning. Good morning to you, uh, Giulio. Um, could you just characterize the results as, as you see them here? Uh, and whilst there are some numbers here that are clearly better at a headline level, um, there will be some concern, I guess, about that deterioration for the uh, PNC combined ratio.
6: Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, as you said our set of numbers is uh, very good. Net income um, is up uh, 6%, the dividend per share is up uh, 7% and we also announced a buyback yesterday evening evening and then when you look at the earnings per share they are up uh, 8%. So you see a lot of strength in our numbers when you look at the performance Per segment, you can see that the life business has been operating very, very nicely with a record operating profit and also very stable performance on the new business, asset management also had a very good year with an increase in third-party assets under management of 17% and also an increase in operating profit. And then when we come to PNC, yes, uh, there was a disappointment in our uh, industrial lines. But when you, you remove the industrial lines from the numbers, the combined ratio for PNC is actually uh, very, very stable at 93.5. So that's a very good uh, combined ratio. We made also progress on our productivity. So over a strong set of results and then clearly as we move into 2020 and 2021 we are going to focus also on uh, restoring profitability in our industrial business
0: can i ask you about the asset management business as well we know this has been a a a difficult period for a lot of the uh, asset gatherers in the asset management business um what what changes are you intending to make at allianz global partners to improve profitability from that operation.
6: Yeah, first of all, I, I would say that the performance of uh, Allianz Global Investor is, uh, uh, fr- from a prof- profitability point of view, is uh, is pretty good. When you look, the operating profit was uh, relatively stable compared to the prior period. Now, as we, we clearly want to, to, to do even better than that, we are going to look at uh, whether we can get uh, more efficient. So, that's something where we believe there is uh, some room for improvement, and then clearly, what is always critical for asset management is to deliver a good performance to, to the investors that are uh, putting the funds into, into our operations. So focusing clearly on uh, delivering good performance to our investors and also uh, then uh, see whether we can do further improvement on the productivity side and we, we believe that uh, we can get a little bit better compared to where we are right now.
3: Uh, Julia, you've highlighted a win in the numbers today in the release, the first fully foreign-owned insurance holding company in China. But we know short-term there are problems with coronavirus. So just talk us through what you're witnessing on the ground there in China.
6: Yeah, what we are witnessing in uh, in China, uh, clearly there is a, a slowdown right now. Uh, for example, the life side, uh, people cannot have meetings, so agents cannot necessarily meet with customers. So we are, we are going to see some uh, slowdown of uh, uh, production. From a, a property casualty point of view, there is some exposure to travel. But overall, from a, a group point of view, I, I would say there is not really... a a material impact on our numbers. We don't expect anything major coming from uh, what is happening right now in China. Indeed, our focus is more about uh, making sure that our employees are safe. And so right now we are allowing clearly our our employees to work from home. In the case, they have to go to the premises. We're making sure that the premises are very safe from a medical point of view. And also we try to help uh, the community in China with uh, supply of medical uh, um, um, masks, something like that. So I would say from a business point of view, uh, there is some impact for the Chinese operation, but very limited on the group point of view. And again, as I was saying before, that's more about safety of people right now uh, and not about financial impact.
2: Uh, Junior, you reference quite clearly um, the buyback program, which was announced in the last 24 hours uh, in your first answer. Can you just explain to me and perhaps some of our viewers why you're having a buyback? Normally, people buy back shares if they think they're undervalued or they've got nothing else to do with the cash. Your shares are double pretty much where they were in early 2016. I don't know if that's an efficient use of capital.
6: I would say there is always room for improvement for our shares. So if you look at the PE ratio, uh, if you do a calculation, you adjust for, for the dividend which we're going to pay. The PE ratio is uh, slightly above 11, so I wouldn't say that the stock is expensive. But the point is, it's more about efficient capital deployments. And uh, if you see, we have achieved in 2019 an ROE of uh, 13.6% our earnings per shares compared to the level of 2000. 16 uh, up double digit, and clearly this is a consequence of uh, good operating performance uh, but also of uh, discipline in capital management, and buybacks are very essential to preserve this discipline in capital management. So we had the flexibility from a liquidity point of view and from a capital point of view to deploy. Uh, capital for buybacks and also for uh, small acquisition as you have seen and I think this uh, strategy is uh, helping us to deliver the great numbers that uh, you have seen today.
2: Well we have to leave it there but thank you very much indeed for joining us today and taking all our questions. Uh, Giulio Terzario who is the CFO of Ants. In the meantime Valeo expects to outperform a tough auto market in 2020 helped by strict cost controls. The automotive supplier said its plants located outside Hubei province in China had resumed production, but it was too early to tell the impact of coronavirus on this year's results. Delighted to welcome back to the show Jacques Ashenbois, who is the CEO of Valeo. Jacques, I have a longer term question. I'm sure my colleagues will come in on China as well. But I don't understand why all the things that you and your company have promised over the last few years have failed to materialize into a solid performance for shares. Your shares were trading around €67 Euros in 2017, in a time when we were promised on whole sets of innovations on electrification, uh, automation, lighting, you name it, going into vehicles, and yet your shares are currently around €27 Euros as well. What went wrong, Jack?
5: I don't know if something went wrong. If you look at the the last quarter's history, uh, we had in early 2018 a drop in our outperformance. And that led to some question mark. Is the growth story of value over? And we have demonstrated in the last quarters that just the contrary. We came back to extraordinary outperformance of the market. In the second half of last year, we had eight points outperformance. And we said that we carry on uh, outperformance in 2019. Uh, 2020, sorry. We are in a situation where we have invested a lot. We have invested a lot for our technological platform and we have been hit by the uh, drop of the automotive market. But I am extremely positive on the future. All what we have done in electrification of the powertrain, all what we have done in ADAS, in both cases we are number one worldwide, is going to materialize, is going to allow us to leverage all the technological platform we have done and to increase step by step our profitability and you have seen that in 2019 we have had extraordinary uh, free cash flow generation of 519 million euro which is far above expectations.
3: Jacques let me ask you about coronavirus because you do have three sites in Wuhan. I know that uh, they have been closed. What's the best guess as to when you might see the operations resume as per usual and just give us a little bit of color what life is like on the ground at some of those factories at this point.
5: So first, uh, we take care of the health and safety of our people, which is our first priority. And the second side, our team did a fantastic job to reopen 32 out of 34 plants we have in China, which is a good achievement. Now we have to make sure that the uh, supply chain is improving, and we see it improving. We monitor every day what our suppliers are doing, both for our Chinese operation and for our abroad operation. So we don't know exactly that to China for the time being, the Hubei province and outside Hubei. Outside Hubei, things are improving extremely fast, and I hope that will normalize soon in the next few weeks. Hubei, we have to monitor, and we don't know yet when we'll be able to open our plants and when uh, our own suppliers uh, will be able to open the operation in the Hubei province. So we have to be cautious. We don't know exactly, and we don't want to give any figures of the impact of Cognivarius in, uh, in, uh, in our operations. But once again, our team did an absolutely outstanding job to reopen the plants.
0: Um, Jacques, clearly you don't have a lot of visibility then when it comes to the earnings outlook in the near term. Um, what are you intending to do in terms of the cost side of the business to make sure that you're managing the business appropriately for margin or margin improvement uh, for full year 2020?
5: So thanks to the technological platform I spoke about, we're able to reduce our R&D expenses and uh, taking a lot of orders in those technology platforms, and we're able to reduce our capex. That is the first priority. Then we're having a lot of restructuring programs in all our plants uh, in a worldwide basis. So the problem is, what is the consequence of uh, coronavirus in, uh, in China and all the cost control we're doing? outside of China. And once again, we don't know exactly the impact of one on the other. So therefore, we have been cautious in the figures. But our cost control is uh, on time, in line with our expectation and will carry on to be extremely uh, cost controlling uh, our expenses, both, like I said, on R&D expense and on CapEx.
2: Jack. I just don't, I don't want to belabor the point, but this industry, your industry, has failed ignominiously to read trends in China as well. I know that a lot of people are going to say coronavirus has created X, Y, Z in lack of demand. But there are 19 months of falling sales before we saw the explosion uh, of confirmed cases and, and mortalities out of coronavirus. Why has the industry got China so wrong for so long?
5: I don't think we have got China so wrong for so long. You remember we have been the first in July 2018 to notice that something was happening after 30 years of growth in China, that something was going uh, downward in the country. What we have noticed in the last few months before uh, the uh, coronavirus uh, uh, epidemia is that the market was stabilizing. So, uh, stabilizing at the lower level, but stabilizing. And that hit uh, in a situation where the market was stabilizing, and we came back to a huge outperformance of more than 11 points in China. So, the market was stabilizing. It's hit now with the coronavirus epidemia, so we have to wait a few months to know at what level the market will stabilize. But don't forget, it's the biggest market in the world, and uh, we are totally focused on improving our operation. And once again, our team are doing extremely, extraordinary work to viabilize their costs, all their costs, and to be ready for the moment when the market will increase again. But I'm not, you know, the market has dropped. That's something true. Uh, But the market is remaining the biggest market in the world.